today I'm joined by Jazz Rash Halan, the MP for Calgary Forest Lawn. All right, everyone, welcome back to episode 44 of Conservative Round. Today we're joined by Jazz Raz Halan, the MP for Calgary Forest Lawn and the critic for immigration, refugees, and citizenship. Well, thank you so much for being here, Jazz Raz. It's great to have you. Thanks, guys. It's an honor to be here with you. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, you know, I was born in Dubai, moved here to Calgary, uh, the greatest city in the world, into the greatest riding uh, in the world uh, when I was just five years old. And it's, somewhere, it's something I take very much pride in. I grew up here, went to high school here in this riding. I, you know, did a lot of volunteering here, worked here. And uh, I'm very fortunate now to be able to be the member of parliament representing, representing this beautiful riding of Calgary Forest Lawn, where I've also had a very fortunate time to, be, to volunteer and, and be amongst a lot of uh, high-risk youth or at-risk youth. Wow. Well, what, what kind of made you want to jump into politics and get you started? You know, growing up, I was all, like I said, I was always involved in a lot of volunteer work. Uh, there was uh, an MLA, a former MLA, uh, the late one, Meet Singh Puller, who was a, a MLA from Calgary and uh, unfortunately passed away in a, car, in a car accident on the way to the legislature in 2015. I was really connected with him and through different community initiatives. I would always be alongside with him, helping him out. Uh, and he got, he was obviously, he got into politics. And along with that, we got a lot of opportunities to do a lot of things as far as volunteering for different campaigns and just being involved. But I think the, the biggest thing was just to see his big heart when it came to doing selfless service, which is a big, big quality of, of what, uh, or a big thing that when you're uh, an elected official, that's basically your job is to serve the public. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's definitely huge. You have to have that, that connection between the constituents and as the member of parliament, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. For sure. Thanks. Mr. Holland, going to politics, who would you say is your biggest inspiration? Um, you know, Excuse me. Growing up, uh, I, I would say that I was very inspired growing up within this riding and the people I was surrounded by, especially by the seniors I was around. I would be at our Gurdwara or our Sikh temple daily and just seeing the sheer spirit of our seniors about the struggles they had from growing up in India, coming here, you know, risking everything to come here as immigrants and then bringing this entrepreneurial spirit that just, they were always, the goal was to succeed and they would never let obstacles come in front of them. At the same time, they would always recognize that giving back to the community and giving back to this country that's given so much to us and the freedoms and the rights that it has, you know, that is a key element to truly living in this country is to give back. And so I was very fortunate enough to grow up around a lot of those seniors and different uh, projects that were happening through our temple. Uh, along the way, like I said, my, uh, you know, I consider him like an older brother, the late Munmeet Singh Puller. It was a great example. There would be a lot of initiatives that he would start and would be a part of. And so just those, uh, just experiences alone, they, I can't just pinpoint it to just one person, but just my experiences growing up here, it really motiva motivated me and, and taught me that giving back and doing selfless service is the most important part. Sure. My next question is, what is, can you just describe your role that the committee you're on, the Citizenship and Immigration Committee? Absolutely. So I, I'd just like to point out that how amazing is this country that an, a person who came here as an immigrant 
uh, is a part of a, a, a party that put so much faith into him that I'm I'm the uh, you know the shadow minister for immigration, her Majesty's official opposition's uh, role for shadow minister of immigration. So it just goes to show how how great this country is. First of all, so I'm on the uh, you know citizenship uh, and immigration committee, and basically the role, and I am the vice chair now as well. So our role as basically opposition is to make sure that we are upholding the government to making sure they are making the right decisions and and holding them to account for any decisions they make in the immigration process. It's also always my belief that we should always do like a Team Canada approach. Immigration is something that we know is important. So if there's, you know, it's not about taking credit for, or, you know, if someone else is going to get the credit for something that we've recommended, it's only going to make Canada better. It's for mm-hmm. the success of Canada. <laughs> So sure. I always feel it's very important that we work together in order to make the best immigration policy that we can. So within that committee, there's different studies that take place. And, you know, we have witnesses that come and sometimes the officials in the immigration department come and the minister comes. It's our job to make sure we're getting as much input from those witnesses. But at the same time, we're also relaying our constituents' messages or people or problems that we're hearing from, you know, Canadians back to the officials and the immigration minister. So in part, that is what we do. That's where we, if there's legislation that comes within there, then we help to uh, not only just examine it to make sure that it is the best thing for all Canadians. For sure. All right, thank you. I think going into the conservative part, how you say it's it's like one big family, like going in there, you get welcomed in, and and and, you, and then you get put into this new portfolio, which is amazing. I, I think it is a really good choice that, that that Aaron put you in here as well. But kind of what's kind of like like the big like what's gone through your role so far? It's kind of like big for you. That's a good accomplishment. Uh, you know what? I, I'll just say that our team has accomplished a lot. In this is I'm an, I'm a rookie MP, and there's been so many. You know, wins, but I, I feel like if it's a win for Canada, it's a win for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's not just limited, limited to us. And that's how we got to look at things. We've done a lot of things as far as, you know, holding this government to account. We've done it over and over and you've seen it. Everyone has been seeing it. I don't want to just get into any specifics. But when it comes to my, my personal, uh, I would say, wins, you know, I, I, I'll have to say as an MP, Every single constituent that comes to you and you're able to help solve one of their problems, that is an ultimate win. That is where you feel like you've accomplished something. I, I must say that sometimes people think that these speeches that we give in the House of Commons uh, are, are what we do. And that is a part of our role. I mean, we have to raise a voice in the House of Commons. Mm-hmm. The work that the team does out of these constituency offices, this is what we signed up for. It's to help Canadians, and I must give a big shout-out to my team because without them, there would be no wins. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the ones who are handling these cases, and sometimes they're very heart-wrenching cases, and it's so great to be involved with it, with a team here that works so collaboratively together to help whoever's here. So these are these are where the real wins take place. For sure. Kind of, well, what do you think going, in, like, going into this next election, hopefully majority government, what do you kind of say is like the biggest, the party's biggest priorities with, with the immigration profile? Uh, you know what? Along with immigration, of course, we need immigration. Mm-hmm. We've seen over the past year how uh, coronavirus and the, uh, this COVID situation has not let our numbers, uh, you know, we didn't have the numbers or meet the targets that we needed to. 
every year we do need to have the proper amount of immigration coming in so that five to 10 to 20 years down the road, uh, our, our economy doesn't take a hit and we're not far behind everyone else in the world. We know last year because of the coronavirus, a lot of people aren't having babies and mm. not getting married even or making other life-making decisions. So we need to make sure that we have good immigration levels coming in. That also helps our economy. But when it comes to immigration, we have to also remember that there are other factors that tie in. Yes, we can bring people in, but what are we doing here on the ground in Canada to help people succeed? Because if immigrants can succeed and we can help them succeed here, that's Canada's success. And so what we want to see is what we've always been saying from day one is jobs and economy. So yes, our immigration system, there are parts of it that we can improve. Uh, I've called for you know modernizing our entire system, making it a lot more streamlined, making sure that we're keeping the immigration system itself accountable to people that want to come here, not putting red tape and barriers up. At the same time, when people come here, like I said, we want them to succeed. Mm -hmm. So at this point right now, we know that there's a big failure on vaccines. And if we're not vaccinating, we know that small businesses, they're closed right now because of that. Lockdowns, restrictions are caused because of these, this vaccine failure. Small businesses are suffering. And I, for, I know for a fact, like myself, immigrants come here with this entrepreneurial spirit. A lot of immigrants come here and they're small business owners. And small business owners, as we know, the more we can help them succeed, the more jobs they will create. Not take jobs, but create jobs. Mm -hmm. So along with immigration, it's it all goes hand in hand as far as what us as conservatives believe. We need strong immigration. At the same time, we need strong policies and less government here in Canada and a better handling of this pandemic would ensure that immigrants succeed and ultimately Canada would succeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, except for, as you said, it, it doesn't help the COVID numbers, right? Because uh, all these people that are coming into Canada, they aren't, they aren't even getting sued. We have Trudeau up on the stage. Oh, we're, we're vaccinating them. We're testing them. Nope. It, it's the premiers that are on the front lines taking care of all of this. Uh, absolutely. And, and I'd like to add, you know, when an immigrant leaves their country, sometimes they leave these uh, places that they don't have rights and freedoms like we have here that we enjoy here in Canada. And... You know, when they have to also leave everything behind, they're risking their lives or risking their, you know, every little thing they leave behind with them mm -hmm. to come to a new country. We need to make sure for their success, we need to make sure that we have the right supports with them. And we need to make sure that we have a booming economy so they can succeed. And right now we see also, and our party had been, had been you know, bringing this point up that, you know, like things like these quarantine hotels, We've been asking for data. We did not get the right data from them to say, what's the difference between a, a quarantine hotel and, you know, being at home in your basement when you're all alone by yourself with a separate entrance to quarantine? The reason why I bring that up is because imagine a family of five gets approved for their, you know, PR and they move here. Just imagine that extra burden we're putting on them because of a policy that, that the government still hasn't been able to clear, clarify for Canadians as to what the stats are behind that. Mm -hmm. So a family of five can, you know, might have to pay $10,000. So we're not letting them succeed even just when they land here. So these are, these are the type of things that we need to make sure we're helping immigrants succeed. For sure. Thank you. 
Mr. Howland, on the issue of immigration, do you think that the government has done a good job while in office to control, like, to about the issue, or do you think they can do stuff to improve on? That's a good question, and you know what? Like we, um, like I said, we need to work together to make sure that we have the best immigration system. And what I personally have dealt with is, or seen as a, as a rookie MP myself, is you know the willingness of this liberal government to listen to advice or even wanting to work along with us. It's that's one of the, they've created their own barrier for for making Canada succeed. And I can, uh, I'll just give you a few examples of that, that when, uh, you know, when the pandemic first started, uh, and even right before that, uh, us as conservatives, we were calling for border closures, we were, clo- we were talking about, let's work together and, and deal with this, that this is happening in China, it can come here. Why are we not, you know, closing borders? And, and back then, it was uh, labeled as racist by them for us to even make that suggestion. And look how far we had to go down the road and the just remember that officials had uh briefed this government on the on a possible pandemic early on in 2020 in in january of 2020 and they refused to listen until later on we gave them that same advice to close the borders they did not listen and and you know it it increased the pandemic when it came to any restrictions of any kind or other things that we've brought forward you know it's it's always been a, a very hard route before you know it's always too late for them we're always behind on everything so not just in the immigration system but overall uh, that's where i feel that they've been failing canadians over and over again now when it comes to immigration um like this recent announcement that that the you know immigration minister uh came out with for ninety thousand people that were accepted last week for express entry i personally had made that suggestion last year that look our levels right now for immigration are not where they're supposed to be and the people that are already living here you know that are working these low-wage jobs and by the way I, i do not like that word at all i think all work carries dignity and honor and we need to show people that because these are the same people definitely a great area Mm -hmm. you know that were the truck drivers driving coast to coast Mm -hmm. delivering life-saving supplies when they when they had no access to washrooms on the way or drive-throughs yet they were risking their lives and we didn't even know what coronavirus was it's the healthcare workers in that same same segment who risked their lives to help people out in this pandemic it's those the people that kept our supply chains open by working in those meat processing plants I had made that suggestion that the people in that class, they're already here contributing so much to Canada, especially to this pandemic. They are almost like a low-hanging fruit. They've already been 50% processed. Why don't we give them an easier pathway to PR? So, like I said, like your question was like, you know, how like uh, about immigration and, and what I feel have been getting along. And to that, I will say that, you know, it's too bad that it takes that long for them to, uh, it almost took six months before a announcement of that kind came. And we wish it came sooner. And the reason for that is because a lot of people were also put out of work at that time. And a lot of people were, were suffering through unimaginable things that, you know, having that hope and dream at that time to create a PR program for them at that time would have been more beneficial to them. So... 
my my only thing is that I, I, we all wish that they would just listen sometimes and actually try to take more of a Team Canada approach. Sure. Yeah, like uh, they still have not closed a international travel off. Like if you go on Pearson's website, there's like hundreds of flights land in a day. So like they're always asking, you know, oh, you know, why are all the, why do we have so many cases? Well, that's a big part of it. You know, it's obviously not all of it, but it's like, it's a big part of it. Uh, absolutely. And, and you know, it, it's always, it's the same old story, always behind the curve. When we needed to be ahead of the curve, they had the information, they had the recommendations from officials last year in January, and we are where we are today. And when it came to the vaccines as well, they put all their eggs into They're China's basket nice. with CanSino, was a Chinese company, and that yeah. fully fell through. They rejected Canada, and, yeah. you know, we are where we are today. So, you know, this, and it's so hard to listen to hearing this, it seems like a marketing gimmick, one dose summer, and it's supposed to feel like we're, we're getting somewhere, but it's so sad to see the reality is small businesses are suffering because of this, you know, gimmicky kind of, uh, you know, just because of their failures, they're trying to cover it up with a gimmick. And that's really sad to see because small businesses, they suffer from all this. Sure. All right. Thank you. I mean, obviously, it, it, it's impacted every everywhere across Canada. How has it specifically impacted your riding? Any small businesses, oh. vaccines? Well, well, as as you as you guys will know, the, this Liberal government has never been a fan of Alberta or yeah. our energy mm. sector in that case. Yeah. So they were already kicking us down, and right before the pandemic last February, they were single handedly the people that killed the Tech Frontier Mine project that would have employed almost up to and more than 8,000 people just here in Alberta. So it just goes to show they've never really cared about Alberta in the first place. Uh, I mean, it's the same government that said that uh, small business owners are tax cheats. So, you know, just on the onset before the pandemic, that's what we were dealing with. Mm -hmm. During the pandemic, they also were very behind in providing the right type of supports. And I'll give you an example of that for why small businesses needed support and earlier and why this government was so tone deaf. When they came out with their SIBA loan for small businesses, there were requirements as far as having a $50,000, you needed a payroll requirement of $50,000. Myself and my colleagues in the Conservative Party were arguing from day one with the government that there should not be a minimum requirement of payroll. I came from the construction industry and I can attest to before the pandemic, Alberta, like I said, was in such bad shape because of liberal policies. These these trades people who are plumbers and electricians, they were laying off people off their crews so that and they would have to themselves go back on the job sites because of how bad the situation was. It's hardworking small business owners like that that needed this this loan the most, and it, and it's completely legal to do this they do not claim payroll. They usually take out dividends at the end of the year. So they who needed the the money the most weren't qualified for that SIBA loan. And it took many, many, many months for this government to act on that. And it was many, many months too late. A lot of businesses had gone down, had to shut their doors, not only because of the failure of handling the pandemic, but not providing supports when small businesses needed it. So... When it comes to, especially in my riding, 
I, we, we are so blessed to have almost 108 languages spoken in this riding. Those are a lot of small business owners from different parts of the world. And it was sad to see that this Liberal government did not support these small business owners that came here to live the, uh, not even just to have the Alberta advantage that when I grew up I saw, but this Canadian dream that everyone has to own their own business when they come here. Mm. So th- it's been an absolute failure. Mm, for sure. And I said before, it's definitely the screening to like you, like you, the board, like you got to have the border policies in, in place, right? Like, like Trump closed the border probably two or three days after the crisis spoke. Justin Trudeau did that two weeks after and he called calling the, the borders racist and xenophobic as well. How would you rate Justin Trudeau's performance uh, on the border during during the pandemic? Well, it's it's clear that they did not take the advice when they needed to. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying, when we called for border closures, it was seen as racist. And again, they were behind the curve months after they were supposed to close it. That's when they did it. And look at the position Canada is in now. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just the border closures. It was a lot of mixed signaling, mixed information when it came to masks, how this government destroyed PPE that was so badly needed at the time and not replenishing it when we needed it. There was a failure in the, uh, you know, the warning system. And then now what we see is just a complete failure when it comes to procuring vaccines when Mm -hmm. Canada needs it. We're, We're watching as our, you know, allies such as UK, and, uh, you know, the United States are all opening up and, and we're sitting here and we just have a little bit over 3% of Canadians that are, are you know, fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So not just the border closures, but it's just been a fail for this government when it came to handling this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And definitely, because you can't always be there in Ottawa, Ottawa, right? So is it kind of being hard or, or better for you in a way? I, I imagine it's hard, but... You know what? In, in this role, you always have to be... Uh, you know, it's uh, expect the unexpected, and that's mm. exactly what this is. Mm. For us, our role, no matter where we are, we have to support our constituents in any way possible. And again, I, like, I'm so blessed to have such a great team here that when I'm not here and doing my role in Ottawa, I, I, we just have this amazing team that takes care of the constituents here 24-7. For sure. Thank you. Mr. Holland, today we learned that uh, the Prime Minister was not found guilty of the ethics violation for the wage scandal, but the old finance minister, Bill Morneau, was. What is your reaction to that? Uh, Well, you know, our leader was very clear on this, and it's something that we all believe in, that the system is broken. Mm -hmm. Where the Mm -hmm. prime minister himself admitted to to saying that I should have recused myself. I should have not been involved. Just like the uh, finance minister, who obviously we know resigned because he was guilty. Now, those same rules should have applied. You have a prime minister who, whose family took a half, half a million dollars from uh, you know, a charity that was going to get a, a program that was going to rake them in millions. And for that not to be any type of you know, uh, you know, violation of any type of ethics, is, is especially after the, the prime minister himself said, I should have recused myself. It just goes to show that we need to have a better system. We need to be able to hold people to account. This is this charity was not registered as a as a lobbying uh, was not as a lobbyist, mm-hmm. and it just raises red flags. Like I'll tell you that with this, we have this Canada Summer Jobs Program that employs youth. That's a program that could have been used, but they they went out of their way 
to reward their friends in the we we charity by creating this program out of thin air and so quickly without without asking any questions and throwing just millions of dollars at them you know if anyone was just to hear this story on its own they would it's all red flags mm -hmm. so it is it, it's it's unfortunate that uh, our system is is broken and us as conservatives when we form government we'll make sure that the accountability is put in place so that these type of ethics scandals don't happen again for sure yeah <clears throat> now it's just like the fourth scandal that uh, you know the government's been in so far fourth or fifth it's it's just for like us it's just like oh you know another another year another scandal basically and it shouldn't be like that uh, absolutely you know this is the most unethical prime minister and if you uh, no prime minister has been under this many ethics investigations and been uh, and have been caught and yeah, you know yeah. be, be, he's been caught you know, violating these ethics sure. my next question is so in the well, obviously, this just pulls, but uh, even with all the failures of this government, the message still isn't getting out to voters that, you know, like, conservative is the better option. What message do you think conservatives and specifically Aaron O'Toole needs to send out to convince Canadians to vote for them? Well, you know, at our, um, at our convention this year, our leader came out with a very, very good plan about securing our, our future. Canadians will know that conservatives are the ones that stand up for small businesses. We are the party of small government. We want people to succeed. We want people to come into this country and have every ability to succeed because that is ultimately Canada's success. Our leader had came out with a very, very good plan to secure the environment, secure jobs, secure the future. This is what Canadians have been, and you know, it, it is resonating with from what I've been hearing from people, it's resonating with Canadians. We are mm -hmm. the government that will hold up, uphold Canada on a world stage as well. Canada is not seen as a leader or even no. taken seriously at this time, or else we would have had a better vaccine portfolio. You know, we're at the bottom of the line as, as usual. It just goes mm -hmm. to show our, what our reputation is on the world stage. A conservative government will be taken seriously on a world stage, and Canadians will know that we are the party that want Canadians to succeed. For sure. Definitely hope that uh, more people see that because, you know, it's very, as I do think, like you said, conservative really is the best, the best way because Canada right now is, is not respected. Not that there's many global events going on where they all get together right now, but Canada is just not respected anymore on the world stage with the whole, the India thing where he went to India and, you know, embarrassed Canada and the, <laughs> The Security Council seat. You lost that as well after spending all that money. Yeah, and time. just just one of many examples of why we're not we're not being taken seriously. And like I said, this vaccine failure of procurement has a lot to do with what our reputation is on the world stage as well. Mm -hmm. you know, that's another. That's why thing. other people are able to deal with other countries that are you know developing these vaccines, and they have a better rapport with them. That's just another failure on a world stage mm -hmm. that conservatives sure. did not have that reputation. Mm -hmm. No, they still don't. Yeah, I think there's another thing as well, right? Another issue, well, 
kind of facing certain Canadians, kind of almost is definitely the Omar Catter case with the with the ten million dollar payout as well. What what kind what kind of would be the conservative approach with that with that happen again? You know, we take uh, justice and and we we take the rule of law very seriously, uh, and we all should as as Canadians. Um, at this point, right now, you know, I, Canadians know that the Conservative Party is the one that it, that is very serious to uphold our our charter rights and and freedoms as well. Whether it comes to you know a, any type of scenario that you can put in any, whether it's a justice, whether it's health, whether it's immigration or infrastructure, all of these things, the, the Conservative Party is known for taking as very very serious. Mm-hmm. And we need to make sure that we're upholding Canada to that charter that that is basically our foundation of this beautiful mm-hmm. country. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that coming back to the World Series again, it's uh, for example, I think former President Trump did a pretty good job on the world stage. For example, he, he was very respected by, by everyone else. And then we have Justin Trudeau. He, went, he does blackface for crying out loud. And most of, most of Canadians just seem to give him like a, a, a neck, like a hall pass. You just next time around, eh, we'll look at it. Right. It's like, it's like one of those. Well, you got to remember that in the last election, we dropped the liberal government from a majority to a minority. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we got a million more votes than the Liberals did. And on top of that, we won the popular vote. So it did, you know, these things did have an effect. And some, and, and you know, it's, a, it's to show that you should never look at polls all the time. It's about what are we doing in order to form policy that's going to help Canadians? What, what kind of message are we sending to world stage? What, what is Canada on a world stage? What are we showing to to build trust within Canadians that the government is doing what's the best for them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, those are the important things that we need that, that as any government, that's what they need to be showing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what is not being shown right now. Mm. Obviously, I think is another thing as well is the COVID hotels would, would fall under your portfolio as well. I, I think, I believe, right. Uh, and it's not really under my portfolio, but you know, Again, we were asking questions about every single pandemic response that this government has came out with. Our main goal was to say, okay, you know, you're putting this into place. What is the data behind it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to say it's the science, but prove to Canadians because Canadians are the ones suffering. We heard these horrific stories coming out of these quarantine hotels where, you know, doors were unlocked while and, and women were so vulnerable inside of those hotels and the, the unimaginable things that happened to some of them. How are we protecting Canadians? That's that's a mm-hmm. grave, grave concern. Mm-hmm. I think another thing as well is is he put in, Justin Trudeau put in a loophole that they have to pay for it all themselves. Like Just to spend there, for example, like this is what I've heard, is what maybe two to three nights is like $1,000. Uh, uh, that's I completely a, unacceptable. I had someone who called me that, that was charged close to $2,200 for eight hours. Wow. Uh, and the booking system was just out of control too. People couldn't get through. So just imagine that they came out with this announcement and there's this panic. And, uh, and I'll get into another example of how the government always makes an announcement, causes panic, and there's no real plan. Mm-hmm. So they announce these quarantine hotels. People abroad are panicking to find a reservation in these quarantine hotels having to stay on the line for hours and hours overseas and not able to get through to book their hotel. 
mm-hmm. when their tickets are already booked. So they cause massive panic. There's no plan to get to that stage. The same thing happened in immigration because that is my portfolio. There's a there's announcement that ninety thousand express entry will be, uh, you know, will be taking those people in, but there was no real plan. People were left to fend for their own. These students had to take time off of work because English wasn't a requirement of that. There was a certain uh, English that they needed, so English classes were booked up like crazy, and so that alone it caused a lot of panic. There's never been a real plan, and you know what? That's what Canadians expect. They expect their government to show them a plan. Mm-hmm. We're in a pandemic right now, and we've been repeatedly asking, what is the plan for us to get out of this pandemic? How are we going to help businesses? Sorry, excuse me, open up again. And, you know, that's where there's been massive failure, and we're still going to continue pushing for those answers, but mm-hmm. we, we don't see any plans in any part of this government. For sure. Well, I'd like, to, I'd like to thank you so much for your time today, Mr. Halani. It was great to have you on here. I hope that we could do this again. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Perfect. Thanks. Thank have a great day. And that was Jazz Raj Halan, the MP for Calgary Forest Lawn and the Conservative Shadow Minister for Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship. Make sure to tune in on the next episode of Conservative Roundup. 